Grace and peace to you this Lord's Day from the First Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia. I'm Dr. Baron Mullis, and I'm the pastor of this congregation, and along with our liturgist, the Reverend Megan Lecluse, our director of music, Andrew Sin, and all of our musicians, I'm delighted to welcome you to our service of worship. Before we move into the body of the service, I would just remind you regularly to check our church website for updates on our activities as we resume certain in-person activities. All of our protocols will be based upon the science of the metrics of infection for Philadelphia County. So you'll see them change periodically based upon those metrics. With this noted, let us join together now in our responsive call to worship. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it.
Knowing that our God is merciful and just, let us turn to God in confession. God of creation, God of wonder, God of our lives, we know that we rest always on an everlasting sea of your mercies greater than we can ask or imagine. You formed the universe from nothing at your word, but humankind you formed with your own hands, and into us you breathed your own breath. We were made as the crowning of creation, and yet so often our lives do not reflect that glory. Too often we settle for lesser things than what you would give us. Forgive us, we pray, for failing to live into the fullness of all you want for us. Remake us and renew us, that we might truly reflect the wonders of your creation. Through Christ our Lord, we pray all these things. Amen. God's grace is sufficient for all our needs covering all our sins. God's power is made perfect in our weakness as Christ redeems our lives and reconciles us fully and completely to God. Believe the promise of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Our first scripture reading comes to us from the gospel of Mark in the sixth chapter. He left that place and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. On the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astounded. They said, where did this man get all this? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Then Jesus said to them, Prophets are not without honor, except in their hometown, and among their own kin, and in their own house. And he could do no deed of power there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and cured them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Then he went about among the villages teaching. He called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He ordered them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no, bra no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. He said to them, wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. If any place will not welcome you and they refuse to hear you, as you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that all should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. Here ends our first reading. The occasion of a sermon does frequently shape its content. When this happens at a superficial level, such as the celebration of national days or hallmark holidays, the outcome can be theologically stymied and liturgically suspect at times. But when the occasion shapes the sermon at a more profound level, it means that the word of God as it is preached speaks 
to the human experience at a more elemental level. There are such days in the lives of congregations, and to be perfectly frank, they can actually have the effect of paralyzing the preacher with the fear that the words won't equal the occasion. My friend Joanna Adams told the story of struggling to come up with words for her sermon for her final day as the pastor of Morningside Presbyterian Church, and her husband Al, seeing her struggling, sought to be helpful by printing off for her a copy of George Washington's farewell address. In some ways, today is an occasion, clearly, as we open our doors again to in-person worship, and yet it is an incomplete occasion. We are not all here yet. And so it begs the question, what sort of occasion can this be? As I ruminated over that question this past week, an answer came to me. It is the Lord's Day. In the life of a congregation, there is no more significant occasion. And in the grace of God, it happens to us over and over and over again. So when I thought on that, I decided that this day calls out for us to continue our study of wonder. So I have selected as my text, Psalm 8. Listen for the word of God. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have founded a bulwark because of your foes to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, at the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established. What are human beings that you are mindful of them? Mortals that you care for them. Yet you have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You have given them dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under their feet, all sheep and oxen, also the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, and whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Join me now, if you will, in a word of prayer. Let us pray. Almighty, eternal God, grant now that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts may be acceptable, even pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Let us consider the mystery of wonder. We could begin with a list. Perhaps that would be fun. We wonder at the ocean, its waves, its depth, its power. If we are very inclined to wonder, we might linger over its smell or the glorious varieties of its color. Why is it blue here and green there? Physics, of course, can answer those questions for us. But it cannot answer for us this. Why 
does the blue of the ocean seem to us beautiful? Maybe we wonder at the flora and fauna of creation, the sedums that survive the harshness of winter to return year after year in our gardens, or the grasses that cushion our walking and perfume the air when they are cut. Flowers burst forth in profusion in springtime, but how often do we linger over the lilacs that border our walks? Do we pause to drink in their scent? Novelist Alice Walker writes, I think it god off if you walk by the color purple in a field somewhere and don't notice it. People think pleasing God is all God cares about, but any fool living in the world can see it as always trying to please us back. Or perhaps consider the joy of falling in love. It is a simple thing to value what another does for us, or even to assess the effects of lust on our behavior, but how often do we ponder the reality of falling in love? When we feel it, it sweeps over us. Time flies when we are with the one we love and drags in perpetuity for the lovesick swains awaiting, or at least so the poets tell us. But how can we measure the way that Love reportedly makes heroes out of cowards and fools out of the careful and reserved. Now, of course, the mystery of wonder could easily be reduced to the practice of mindfulness. And to give mindfulness its due, there is a great deal of power in intentionality, power in knowing yourself and observing your own actions and your surroundings. Mindfulness, however, of the wonder of creation is by definition mindfulness not centered on the self and what we see, but rather on the mysteries of God. And the mystery of wonder runs deeper than we can observe and theorize. The story is told of a young man born into enslavement in Missouri, stolen away from his mother by captors and taken off to Arkansas, where he was bartered for a $300 racehorse before he was finally allowed to return to his home in Missouri. But a keen intellect changed the course of his life from what it, he might have expected in those days, and he entered high school, then university, and graduate school followed at Iowa State, where he finished in, 19, in 1896. When this man was asked about his thirst for knowledge, he answered, when I was a young boy, I said to the Lord, Lord, tell me the mysteries of the universe. But God said, that mystery is reserved for me alone. So the young man said, Lord, then tell me the mystery of the peanut. And God said, well, George, now that's more nearly your size. And George Washington Carver went on to unfold the mysteries of the peanut. In his lab, he produced countless wonders, all born of a sense of mystery of a humble lagoon.
To contemplate wonder and the mystery of wonder is to come face to face with our own finiteness. That should come to us as no surprise. We all know that we are limited. But to come face to face with wonder is to witness the creative power of God and to be reminded of our place in God's creation. But it is more. To wonder is to join in with God in rejoicing at the overflowing of all that life hungers to abound for you and me. Long before the Hubble telescope radioed back fantastical images of horsehead nebulas and the birth of stars and clouds and clouds of heavenly matter, before the Galileo probe revealed yet more complexities than we ever imagined of Jupiter, the psalmist wrote, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them? Mortals that you care for them. The psalm opens with the celebration of God and all that God has wrought before shifting to the celebration of humankind, the crowning achievement of God's creative powers. Remember, all else is commanded into being, but the human we know instead is crafted with God's own hands, filled with God's own breath, and tasked with God's own authority to have dominion over all the earth. To be human is to be harnessed to creation by God's own hands and given the power to decide whether to cultivate or destroy, but to be harnessed to creation is also to be bound by wonder. Can it be accidental that the very creature that God put in charge over the others is the creature whom God bound with wonder. My friend Betty McClaney, who was one of God's own saints, if ever there was one, spent her whole life serving as a director of Christian education in a number of different Presbyterian churches. On the day when the Presbyterian Church had to vote whether or not to allow children to receive the Lord's Supper, she was pressed into service minutes before the motion came to the floor of the assembly for a vote. Now, I hope that with our open invitation to the table here at First Church, you may marvel that there was ever a time when children weren't allowed to take communion, but that was, in fact, the case until the early 80s. As Betty tells the story, Friends of hers pressed in on her at the last minute, educators, all of them, and said to her, Betty, you must speak for us. You have served for so long with so many churches. They will listen to you. Betty responded, I, I am not a theologian. I am an educator. I teach children. I prepare their Sunday school lessons. Surely someone else can make the case better. 
But they pressed her and pressed her, and finally she relented. She told me of putting her hands in her pockets so that no one would see them shaking as she stood up to speak to a thousand ministers and elders. And to them, she said simply, I am told that it is the wonder of the Lord's Supper that causes you to question if children should come to the table of Jesus Christ. I am told that the mysteries of the Eucharist are too great for a child to understand. But I ask you, who more than children, whose whole lives are filled with wonder, who more can fully fathom the mysteries of God? Who indeed? And yet we run into the mystery of wonder every single day. We slam into stunning moments, take our breath away happenings from sunrise to sunset and on into the twilight and into the gift of sleep and dreams and awake to a new day. But how often do we savor the haunting, lingering smell of wet clover? Do we notice the earthy, fertile aroma of leaves rustling on the ground before the rain plasters them to the pavement? How often are we captured by the ah of wonder. In a sermon by the same title, the late Lewis Patrick wrote, so often this ah of wonder escapes us. We look at our everyday life, our own life, or the life of the world, but instead of the ah of wonder, it's the blah of what we know and what we somehow think we understand. We see through everything we want to see. Every question has an answer. You come to the blah of class after class after class, all questions with answers. The blah of a world where we are moved around by virtue of digits assigned to us by computers, known by numerals instead of names. The blah of plastic replacing wood, powdered stuff replacing milk, soap operas instead of real life. Eventually, we do indeed see what is in everything until there is nothing left to see. And we look through the slits of our eyes knowingly like some downstairs maid until all the prophet can say to the likes of us, you see, you blind, listen, you deaf, to that wonder that is deep down in the everyday things. Lest we wax too poetical over the created order of God, let us remember that nature has the power to thrash and destroy, to inflict grievous wounds, and to unleash terrible suffering. To make a god out of the natural world is to idolize a fickle master. 
and yet even still, the God of creation, the God who makes creation new every day, that God leaves fingerprints all over the universe. There is no need to decode them or group them into a system of belief. It is sufficient simply to find within us the capacity to pause long enough to say, the Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place where we worship. The Lord is in this place, the breakfast room with the computer open to a virtual world. The Lord is in this place where under, the underpasses where people huddle out of the rain and store meager belongings. The Lord is in this place where grit and grime may obscure glory, where boring and ordinary reign. Even the Lord is in this place where minutes are taken and hours are wasted. The Lord is in this place. To be confronted with the miracle of life is to be invited to open oneself to the knowledge that God is even in the hurting places, even in the boring places, however that hurt comes, wherever that boredom arises. God is in the places where war and sometimes random violence crop up, or perhaps sharp words and inferences, the arched brow, the casually forgotten invitation. The mystery of wonder invites us to disturb our own peace, to disturb our own peace with awareness, to pacify our turmoil with constancy. The mystery of wonder is the paradox of God-given intelligence that would deny the giver until all other possibilities have been exhausted. The mystery of wonder is the paradox that while words can cut and tear down, words can also heal and restore. The mystery of wonder is the grace of God. In Walt Whitman's words, when I heard the learned astronomer, when the proofs, the figures, were ranged in columns before me when I was shown the charts and the diagrams to add, divide, and measure them. When I, sitting, heard the astronomer where he lectured with much applause in the lecture room, how soon unaccountable I became, tired and sick, till rising and gliding out I wandered off by myself in the mystical moist night air and from time to time looked up in perfect silence at the stars. Perhaps, if just for a moment, we slow down from the rush to return to normal and breathe in and breathe out in and out. Perhaps if we silence every voice around us, if we turn off the ringers and the buzzers and the ever-present television and radio, perhaps 
if we silence every voice within us but the voice of the one who breathes our life in and out, in and out. Perhaps then, in the stillness of our being, we might look at the heavens and say, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let us together affirm what we believe in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Jesus calls us to travel light as we serve the world, for God is our strength and provision. Let us faithfully bring our offerings to God.
Almighty God, who transforms our weakness into strength, receive the prayers we lovingly offer on behalf of the church and the world. Our world is an anxious place divided by ideologies, and we grow more stubborn and impertinent each day. Break down the barriers that exist among peoples and nations, restore and strengthen our common life. Give to your church a bold vision and a daring love to speak and act on behalf of your mission to restore all people and creation in peace. Teach us to trust simplicity and travel light together. Comfort all who suffer in body, mind, or spirit. And we especially pray this week for the community in Surfside, Florida, for those who have lost family members or still have family or friends missing. Expand our compassion, increase our faith, and make us whole as we work together for the healing of those in need. Eternal God, we remember those who are dying and those who have died. Draw them into your heavenly realm with you, Christ and the Holy Spirit, that they may dwell with you in paradise. Hear these prayers and the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
be bound by wonder is to recognize our humanity. But that is a good thing, because to be fully, authentically human is for what God has created us. And now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance on you and those you love and give you peace both this day and forevermore. Amen.